The following commentary does not necessarily reflect the views of the staff and management of WBCA or Boston Neighborhood Network. If you would like to express another opinion, you can address your comments to Boston Neighborhood Network, 3025 Washington Street, Boston, Massachusetts, 02119. To arrange a time for your own commentary, you can call WBCA at 617-708-3241 or you can email radio at bnntv.org. Matters. I'm your host, Brendan O'Connell. Well, we have a very special guest today from all the way from Fairfax, Virginia, on Zoom. And she's uh, going to talk about uh, the Democratic Party and where they stand on abortion. Uh, she belongs to an organization that I've known for about 15 years called the Democrats for Life of America. And they have, uh, they're somewhat beholden to the Democratic Party, but they're a pro-life organization. So we welcome uh, the executive director, Kristen Day. Welcome, Kristen. Thank you so much for having me on today. Kristen, could you give us a, a snapshot of what's gone on in America like since Roe v. Wade uh, as far as the parties are concerned and, and where, we are, where we're at today? Uh, yeah, since the, uh, since the Dobbs decision, it has been even more polarizing than uh, it has ever been um, since Roe was first decided you know, in the 70s, uh, we see the the parties really, uh, I think my party really embracing this abortion only solution to a pregnancy and pushing these, um, I guess, row, row decisions in the states with these constitutional amendments in the states um, to legalize abortion up to birth. So it's been a really hard uh, push from my party to um, really make uh, abortion a priority in the states, um, instead of looking for ways to support women who are pregnant. Now, the last election cycle, I was amazed at how much of the politicians here in Massachusetts and New Hampshire, because we get a feed from New Hampshire, that they were saying in their ads that they were supported by Planned Parenthood of America, and they were boasting that. And, uh, you know, <laughs> If people only knew that Planned Parenthood kills more people than anybody each and every year uh, since Roe yeah. v. Wade, uh, what, I guess, where do they, why do they think that's an advantage uh, to be, to kill the innocent human life in the womb versus a disadvantage? Do you have I any think thoughts? The, yeah, the advantage they see is the money that comes with the Planned Parenthood endorsement and the ability to um, you know, convince women that voting for them is a good thing and it's going to empower them. Uh, I talked to, a, a, we have elections here in Virginia, and I talked to a gentleman who's running for Senate. And uh, I said, the only thing I know about you is you support abortion and I disagree with you on that. And uh, it was his, it's the first time running. And his response was, well, my advisors told me I had to run on abortion to win. And I think that's just such a very sad state of uh, po politics right now, where people feel like they have to run on a pro-abortion message to win. And uh, in Virginia here, we're the, uh, the pro-life side is, is only 
um, pushing a 15-week limitation, which would only affect about uh, 2% of abortions, and that would just be late-term abortions. So mm -hmm. it's not even a radical proposal that's being pushed here in Virginia, yet I see people like this, this uh, young uh, candidate who's running for state senate pushing out this message that uh, Republicans and pro-lifers want to ban uh, abortion completely and women won't have access, which is untrue. Hmm. And how much of an advantage are they, I mean, are these people that run for rep or state senate, are they intimidated by the, the pro-abort movement uh, as far as money is concerned, raising the money? Oh, absolutely. And I think we saw that. I mean, the, the number one example I can give is um, is Dan Lipinski, who was a pro-life hero in the Democratic Party. And the Democrats just did everything they could to defeat him, to try to extinguish the pro-life voice in Congress, the pro-life pro -life Democrat voice in Congress. He had sitting members of Congress opposing him and endorsing his opponent. Uh, and the, the uh, pro-abortion lobbies, uh, they spent millions and millions of dollars to defeat him and extinguish his voice. And so that's what they do around, uh, that's what they're trying to do around the country. They, they are able to just raise vast sums of money to uh, spread false messages about uh, what we believe as pro-life Democrats or, or even as pro-lifers in general um, to win these seats and push a, a really a pro-abortion anti-woman agenda. And uh, uh, there, are there, let me ask you, as far as young pro-life Democrats, are there any young pro-life Democrats, or are they just kind of in lockstep, uh, over the cliff type of people? Lemmings no, over see, the cliff. <laughs> right. We see a lot of young pro-lifers, uh, and I'm really proud of the fact that the one pro-life uh, Democrat, or one pro-lifer who is the head of her party at, or the pro-life party at JMU is my daughter. Uh, she's the president J of the JMU is James Club. Madison University. James Madison, okay. right? And she has she's building a group there. We see, and we have another one of our young pro life Dems um, at UVA, and she is building a, a you know working with her pro life group there. So we have these young people who tend to be more pro life uh, than um, than the, the other generations. So we're kind of excited about this up and coming generation and pushing a more pro-life, whole-life agenda. Now, you mentioned to me that there were some victories in Louisiana. Could you tell tell us about that? Yeah, we were very, very excited. They uh, In Louisiana, they have different elections. So what they do is they have what they call a runoff. And so uh, as many people are in the runoff as can be, there can be 10 people in the runoff. And you only advance to the um, general election if you don't get 50%. And we were really excited that uh, of our, um, we had about eight um, uh, pro-life Democrats advance um, and they won't have a general election because they've won right out over 50% of the vote, uh, including the wonderful Senator, Senator Katrina Jackson, who uh, is just an amazing pro-life leader in Louisiana oh. and uh, uh, just a great voice for oh, yeah. um, the pro-life for the whole life. I was down at the National Right to Life. They held a, a annual conference there about five or six years ago, and I was amazed at how pro-life the Louisiana area is. Really, something. And oh, it's, a, it's wonderful. They've got a great president too of that uh, organization. Well, I wanted to oh, ask yeah, you uh, about um, it. Uh, it's called the Pregnant 
Workers' Fairness Act. What, what is that and who is pushing it and who's against it? So it was it received bipartisan support. Senator uh, Cassidy from Louisiana and uh, Senator Bob Casey from Pennsylvania were the authors of the bill. And it would just it, the intention was to uh, re- well encourage and require uh, pl- work workplaces to provide accommodations to pregnant women. Uh, there was a case that went all the way to the Supreme Court, Young versus UPS, which we wrote an amicus brief for. Uh, she was pregnant, and she or her doctor didn't want her lifting heavy things, so she just wanted to an accommodation where she could do another job until she came back from maternity leave. So while she was pregnant, she still wanted to work. And they refused to provide that accommodation. So the Pregnant, Pregnant Workers Fairness Act just codifies the uh, the law. You know that worker, you know, employers should provide accommodations to pregnant women. Uh, so it did receive bipartisan, bipartisan support. We were pushing for clarification that this would not um, include abortion, and uh-huh. we uh, uh, and we wanted that written into the statute. And Senator Casey assured us that uh, this would not be used to support abortion. And uh, as soon as it was signed into law and the regulations were written, of course, it includes abortion and and the regulations. So we did write um, a letter to the Department of Labor saying that we wanted clarification that um, are opposing these regulations that would include abortion as part of the Pregnant Workers Fairness Act, because that was not the intention. So it did pass then? Yeah, it, it was signed. Yeah, it was signed into law, and um, you know, it did receive bipartisan support. It was a good right. thing made bad by the administration uh, because they want to provide accommodations to women having abortions. Well, if a Republican administration were to get in next time, could they go in and delete all of that that was a- administratively? Uh, they're yes, administratively could, yeah. writing the law, right? That's that's yes. not right. That's incorrect. It, no, it is not right at all. We're very disappointed in Senator Casey for not pushing harder, and yeah. uh, he was part of the problem of not having that written into this into the law. Um, yeah. That this this was solely intended to support pregnant women, which who can who doesn't support? Right. Pregnant women. Yeah. You know. His father was a great pro-lifer who was. Uh, eschewed by the Republican Party at a convention, and then he got in on his father's name, but he's flipped. He's, he's on the pro-abort side, I think, for the most part, isn't he? For the most part, Bob, yes. It's Bob. very disappointing, very, very disappointing now, uh, I to m- see. Move on. Uh, uh, Arizona Governor Katie Hobbs, uh, what is her situation? I think she had a line-item veto or something. <laughs> yeah, crazy. I mean, this is how crazy the Democratic Party is getting with their attacks on pregnant women. So there was a there's a program in uh, Arizona that provides support to homeless pregnant women, and she line item vetoed that program out of existence. Uh, for what reason I don't know, but you know obviously pregnant women need different um, types of situations and care while they're pregnant, and mm-hmm. um, so she apparently doesn't think that pregnant women should have any <laughs> any care at all or any housing or any support. Uh, and she line out of that veto, line out of veto the program. Mm-hmm. Now, what about Colorado Democrats' abortion agenda? What's going on there? Yeah, in uh, Colorado, it's um, it's a little bit terrifying on how just how much they're pushing abortion. Uh, it, there is a um, abortion reversal pill that is available, and um, they passed a law saying that doctors cannot prescribe an abortion reversal pill. 
And the way which, it works, which is just progesterone, which is natural in right. our in, in the body, and particularly during pregnancy, you have a lot more progesterone. Yeah, because the abortion pill decreases the progesterone, so the abortion pill reversal puts more progesterone back in. So it tries to stop what was started with the abortion pill. And it's not 100% effective. It's about between 65 and 75% effective. But it's a mystery to me on why, uh, you know, people who are supposed to support choice would say would take that choice away from women and not let her change her mind if she doesn't want to have the abortion and she took that first pill because you have to take the second pill to um, uh, to complete the abortion. Right. And um, it's just I mean we had some a, a bit of good news though because it was challenged in court. And it uh, looks like we won the first round. Um, in, so fe the, in federal court? In, yeah, in, or in, state in, court? Yes, in, in, in state court in, in Colorado. I believe it was state court. But oh. um, yes, yeah, so it, now the uh, people who were providing the abortion pill reversal uh, will be allowed to continue to do that. Are there, are there other states that have this extreme abortion policy subsequent to Dobbs? becoming the uh, law of the land or the, the judgment by the Supreme Court uh, on Nellie Gray's birthday in June, I think June 22nd of uh, 2022. Yeah, I think Maryland, New Jersey, New York, California are all have all pretty horrific uh, abortion policies in um, allowing an up to birth. And ironically, they do have the highest abortion rights in the nation. Uh, and when people people tell me, you know, when we talk about this issue is, you know, well, Republicans cut off support for women and uh, we need a more a larger social safety net for women or um, states like uh, But then when you look at California, uh, they have one of the most uh, largest social safety net of support for people. And yet they still have the highest abortion rate in the nation. Uh, one of the highest. And again, Maryland, too, a very generous social safety net, but highest abortion rate. Mm -hmm. So why is that? And um, because they promote abortion as the solution to an unplanned pregnancy, whereas states like Texas, where they did put an abortion limitation in, they increased their funding for their pregnancy support. Mm -hmm. And states like California, New York, they're trying to shut down pregnancy support centers uh, just recently, uh, in New Jersey, too, is one that's trying to shut down pregnancy support. Congressman Gottheimer, uh, just recently, he did a press conference in front of a pregnancy center that he had never visited, never talked to anybody in the center, never talked to any women who visited the center, and made all these wild accusations about the people who work there brainwashing women. Uh, and so we did write a five-page letter refuting <laughs> Everything he's, he accused the center of doing and uh, explaining that these centers do really good work in providing women with choice. And I think one of the biggest things about the pregnancy centers is they provide post-abortive healing and counseling. So even if a woman gets an abortion, they can go back to these centers and the people will be supportive and helping them recover in any way um, they need from having the abortion. Well, we in Massachusetts have some pretty radical uh, things going on also. Uh, the uh, legislature uh, wants to give a million dollars a year to uh, badmouth pregnancy help centers, which in the past, uh, in surveys the pregnancy help centers have done, they've had a 99% approval rating by the people that go in there. 
and they have privacy. There, you know, it's because uh, that's one of the accusations the pro boards make. I wanted to ask you. You uh, had co-authored an article um, called "The Grand Delusion." W what was that all about? So we have um, been analyzing, uh, you know, where the Democratic Party is um, as far as being. Uh, is it a winning issue to be, uh, you know, to support abortion or not? And we looked through all the states to see like, what is happening and where where do Democrats feel on this policy? Um, and, you know, a majority of Americans, including Democrats, uh, do support limitations on abortion. Um, and so that's where the majority stands. And when you look at states across the country, Democrats have lost, I think, 751 seats um, in the state legislature. And we give some examples of how abortion and abortion extre extremism has harmed Democrats. When you look at West Virginia as a really prime example of Democrats used to hold 78 seats in the legislature and Republicans had the remainder of the 100. And now that has totally flipped where I think Democrats are down to about 14 Democrats, um, got down from 78 to about 14. And um, we see, I mean, Joe Manchin is the last, uh, probably last uh, Democrat that will hold a U.S. Senate seat uh, there because that is, he's uh, at risk of losing his seat. Right. Um, and, you know, there are more issues in West Virginia that are affecting, but abortion played a big role uh, there. And when we look at the South, uh, there are, there will be no uh, Democratic governors in the South um, after, next year, unless Governor, uh, unless Presley wins in Mississippi. Because mm -hmm. John, uh, John Bell was the only uh, Democratic governor in the South and he's pro-life. Uh, so, and he, um, he was term limited and his seat is now going to be held by a Republican. Um, but yeah, so I think when you, when you look overall, this abortion extremism um, is not helping in some states. We're becoming very, very, um, polarized, and we mm -hmm. have now these pro-life states and these pro-abortion states, um, but it harms the Democratic Party. And if you're a Democrat who has beliefs in the other parts of the party, too, um, you're kind of leaving these your constituency uh, out in the cold uh, by not um, allowing people to run and advance a pro-life agenda in, in their state. Uh, we've seen Democrats flip party and become Republicans, uh, giving several states Republican supermajorities in the last year. Uh, and so it's it's not a good strategy for Democrats to continue to push this abortion agenda. What states were those? Uh, it was Louisiana and I believe it was South Carolina or North Carolina. I can't remember. Um, uh -huh. Can I can I ask you about Arkansas? Arkansas used to be a thoroughly uh, Democrat state, and now it's a, a thoroughly Republican state. How did it go from uh, Democrat to Republican? What was an, and was abortion one of the issues that moved people to be become Republican? Yeah. It is abortion played a role, and I, I think the religious values of a lot of people in the South. Uh, at a Democratic convention several years ago. Uh, remember, they tried to take God out of the platform, uh, and there was a lot of pushback on that. And I think, uh, you know, I think Democrats have kind of they've forgotten who they're supposed to be fighting for. The Democratic Party is supposed to be fighting for the little guy and the vulnerable. 
and they really lost um, touch with that. And they're more of a party of the elites uh, now. And I, when when uh, when Trump was running his first time around, I think I was one of the few people who predicted he would win. And part of that reason was that he was really reaching out to the labor uh, working men and women. And he went to Michigan and he said he was going to overturn NAFTA and bring those jobs back home and out of Mexico and back home to Michigan. And uh, so I think the Democrats have lost favor with labor as well. So I think it's a combination of the the, the life issue, the, the labor issue and religion um, that is really uh, particularly religion in the in the southern states. Can I ask you about Michigan? Um, there was a, a referendum there, and the pro-life side lost. You mentioned uh, there, there are some people that are funding it, writing huge checks. Could you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, and that's a, a lot of these referendums that we've been losing. We've been um, outspent ten to one, and wow. Michigan was a, a prime example of that. And uh, the pro board brought in forty-five million dollars. Thirty million of that came from ten people from out of state, including Michael Bloomberg from New York. So you got to ask yourself, why is Michael Bloomberg spending money to pass a pro-abortion agenda in a state that he doesn't even live in? Uh, it's 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 pretty scary. Uh, but we do have a little bit of good news on that and on the Michigan because uh, they did pass this constitutional amendment was bad, but now they're trying to implement it through the legislature. And uh, we have a pro-choice Democrat woman oh. in, uh, from Detroit who is pushing back and saying, wait a minute. I think we've gone too far, and she's opposing the uh, codification with uh, because of she said I think I don't think we should be paying for abortions and taking money away from the elderly and uh, mm -hmm. people who need health care and to pay for abortions. And then she also said that she doesn't think that it should be a problem of women waiting uh, to have and having a 24-hour wait period before they have an abortion, which they're trying to eliminate um, in Michigan. I mean, having an abortion is a is a pretty uh, big deal. It's yeah. not something you should just do on the fly. And having that wait period and, and giving information to women is something we should all support. I mean, we do this with any medical procedure. You're given information. You're not you don't get surgery right on the spot. Um, you have to read the data. You have to sign things. You have to learn what is going to happen. And uh, so we are pretty pleased that um, we're getting some. In Roberts with some some pro-choice um, Democrats in Michigan who are seeing that this is a, not a good thing for women. I see. I had a classmate at Georgetown University, Bill Schuette, who ran against oh, yeah. the current um, the current governor, who's very pro-abortion. I can't think of her name, but uh, Gretchen Whitmer. Oh yeah, Whitmer. <laughs> yeah. Um, now, uh, what about the so-called Women's Health Protection Act in the U.S. Senate? Where is that? And is that got a chance of passing? That's going nowhere fast, fortunately. But, uh, you know, I think the it, authors of the bill uh, are saying that that's a codification of Roe v. Wade. And it, it is not. It goes so far beyond Roe v. Wade that it would basically allow abortion up to nine months for every, any reason. And um, you know, we had, I think, almost every single U.S. senator, Democrat, co-sponsored that bill. Um, but there's just not enough votes Even um, Manchin, to get it passed. Did Manchin co-sponsor? Manchin did not, no. He did not, I see, because he's got a big election coming in front of him. Now, no, no, he hasn't, he hasn't said he's going to run yet, so we're still waiting for that. Is, is that right? 
Now, the um, does abortion litmus test hurt the Democrat Party? I guess that'll be my final question. Oh, absolutely it does. I think this pressure to push people to be pro-abortion, um, we're losing on a, out on a lot of good candidates who uh, would be great to advance in the party and really represent, you know, this whole life view. Uh, I think there's one, one, one bright star that we have, um, young, she's, I think she's 26, she's a state rep in Connecticut. And, uh, you know, these, I think if she wanted to advance in the party, she'd get some real pushback. And to be, you know, pressured to, she was pressured not to be pro-life when she ran the first time, but she stand up, she stood up and gave this amazing speech uh, after she won a special election and was there about a month and they were trying to pass a, a abortion extreme bill. And um, she voted, she gave the speech, people heard her. And when it came time for the vote, 17 other Democrats voted with her against this abortion extremist bill. Wow, that's fantastic. Now, we have someone in our state, you said that's a Democrat. Who is he? And, and uh, can you tell me why? Jeff he's... Turco. Jeff Turco. He is incredible. We're so proud uh, to have him in the legislature there in Massachusetts. And he's going to make a difference because he's, uh, he's one of the ones who's not going to back down. Mm -hmm. uh, one other thing, I guess I'm asking another question. Kansas. It was a shock to the pro-life community that uh, the Kansas... Uh, passed in effect what was a pro-abortion law or what was that do you know yeah i think there's a longer story on that but there were uh, i think the dobbs decision really affected that outcome but also the the language was confusing uh you know it wasn't for lack of effort i think the kansas right to life did a great job of trying to get the message out but mm -hmm. uh we just were i think dobbs really messed with the outcome there and, um, and the fact, again, we were outspent. Right. I read an article where a tremendous amount of money came from out of state into Kansas to promote yeah. that. So, well, yeah. Kristen, thank you so much for coming on the show. We really appreciate it. And maybe uh, our cross will pass when I get down to D.C. the next time, which I is sure next so. week. <laughs> so uh, thank you so much for coming on. Really appreciate it. Oh, thank you so much. And good luck in, good. in converting all the Democrats to pro-life. I will try. <laughs> <laughs> okay. And folks, we hope you found today's show to be unique, informative, content-rich, truthful, and thought-provoking. Thanks for watching. I'm Brendan O'Connell, your friend for life. The preceding commentary does not necessarily reflect the views of the staff and management of WBCA or the Boston Neighborhood Network. If you would like to express another opinion, you can address your comments to the Boston Neighborhood Network at 3025 Washington Street, Boston, Mass. 02119. Attention WBCA LP 102.9 FM. If you would like to arrange a time for your own commentary, you can call WBCA at 617-708-3241 or email us at radio at bnntv.org.